Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Johan Johansson. The Icelandic composer has released albums on crossover labels like 4AD and even cracked into the Deutsche Grammophon catalogue with his latest album Morphe. However, his collaborations with Canadian director Denise Villeneuve have established Johansson as one of the most in-demand composers of film music. He's even been tasked with scoring the forthcoming sequel to Blade Runner, which I discussed with him in his Berlin studio last month. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Johan Johansson is up next. some people were just only aware of the music you've made in say the past decade or something they'd be a little bit surprised perhaps at the music you were making earliest in your career which was you know band oriented guitar oriented music you know you've become very adept at string arrangements and digital manipulation of audio there's a huge gap in time here but I'm just wondering how you built up this skill set coming from a background which is you know guitar and songwriting oriented you know, it's just another set of tools, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm always looking for new tools to, to make, uh, make music with, I mean, make sound with, and I've always been doing that, you know. I guess I started seriously making music when I was 16, 17, something like that, you know, with four-track recorder and, and guitars mostly, you know, and, you know, building up these sort of layers, you know, these sort of wall of sound of guitar noise, and uh, little by little you... you uh, accumulate competency, you know, in, in various fields. And I didn't I didn't go to conservatory. I went to university and um, you know to study humanities. And uh, but I was always making music. It wasn't necessarily a goal of mine to become a prof- professional musician. You know, I was uh, you know there were other things I was I was considering. But 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 I always had a very strong passion for creating music and and. Uh, you know, spent most of my free time doing that. So it kind of evolved into that. And and um, I was given the opp- opportunity to work with a um, theatre ensemble in uh, Iceland, and um, I became like a resident composer for almost... When, when was this, sorry? Mid-90s, maybe. Yeah, and I, I used that opp- opportunity for many experiments, you know. for, for I was working with people who gave me a lot of, a lot of freedom to, to, to do, you know, kind of what, what I wanted. And, and uh, one, of, one of those things was, uh, was you know, working with um, cl- classically trained musicians. And uh, before that, I had been mo- mostly more involved in the, in the kind of uh, indie world, you know. And then there are certainly classically trained uh, uh, musicians in, the, in, the, in that world as well. So it, w- it was just a slow sort of process of, you know, kind of teaching myself methods and you know learning by doing and uh, accumulating knowledge by reading books on orchestration by reading books on uh, counterpoint uh, harmony and but I, I didn't really see that as any different than you know becoming more proficient 
at uh, using Pro Tools, or, or for me, it's it's just another set of tools to use use to create music. And it's all part it, of the same project, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to use these colors. I have a, a strong affinity for for strings, for example, and, and and certainly in my early work, I wrote a lot lot for strings, and I'm I'm doing less so now. And uh, yeah, I think it was a part of a process of developing as an as an artist, you know. You know, choosing choosing not to go the academic route, you know, uh, in music forced me to acquire this information myself, you know, through books and through, you know, consulting, you know, with with other composers and, and through um, through trial and error. And in this way, I I kind of slowly develop a method and, 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 and a language, you know. Those first steps when you're teaching yourself, is it a case of you would write something on a piano and notate it and then bring it to an orchestra or it's a big leap of faith you know having just notes on a stave and having an idea in your head and then taking it to this well I, people. I had considerable experience pl- playing with various musicians i studied piano to the age of 18 and i played in played in um, in, in wind bands and things like like that and uh, i i studied trombone as well i knew how to write uh, notation and uh, to communicate my ideas to 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 the players and uh, that's not really uh, the tricky part and <laughs> I guess the tricky part is developing a voice of your own, you know, and uh, and that took a while. I, I think I, I, I was, you know, a, a late bloomer in, in that sense, you know, because my first solo album, Engelborn, comes out in, in 2001 and, and I was uh, already 30, you know, by that time. And uh, I had, of course, been involved in rec- records released before that time, but this is what I consider my first release as a solo artist. And... Um, in many ways, it was a kind of an unconventional upbringing as a as a as a musician and as a composer, but and a, a very very eclectic one. But would you say, in hindsight, that's prepared you for the challenges that you face today in a way that, say, someone who just went through the academy wouldn't have? I I've, I, don't, I don't have the comparison, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say. But I, I certainly feel that a little bit, you know, in, in, in people who go to film scoring programs, you know, that uh, I, I don't want to disparage any kind of education. The important skills in being an artist are first and foremost discipline, you know, and being able to um, express your ideas in some form and, be, and being able to find the ways to express the, these ideas. And... Uh, in a way, you can learn that in a architecture program, you know, and and, and you can you, you can learn that in a almost any humanities, you know, or even science department of 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 of, a, of any academic institution, you know. So I don't I don't think you know for an artist the type type of education you you get is is important. Uh, I think it's important to learn to know know how to work. And how to communicate your ideas, and uh, the rest is is tools that that you that you can learn how to use use by yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I, w- I I wouldn't necessarily re- recommend <laughs> you know my my uh, trajectory to anyone and uh, any mentoring, whether you're in a composition program, you know, with a, with a certain composer and uh, as a main kind of counselor who gives you guidance. You know, you're always going to be learning his or her methods, basically. That may be very, very useful and that, that may give you a certain set of skills. But then there's the process of finding your own methods, you know, and finding your own voice. And uh, that's, that's the difficult part. <laughs> there was an interesting line you said before, learning the tools is the relatively simple part, but knowing how to work 
mm-hmm. is the important aspect. And this was sort of to do with, you were talking about discipline in some way. Are you able to elaborate on the process by which you came to know how to work, so to speak? It's difficult to formulate. I don't have a formula, you know, I don't, I don't, ha- I don't have a, a method that is put into a soundbite, you know. But I, I have developed over the years, you know, certain ways of, of, of working and certain ways of creating ideas, you know, which is really the, the hardest part of uh, writing music. It's, it's, it's that initial spark, you know, that initial idea, you know. Some people write music very easily, you know, they can sit down at, at a piano and they can, and they can, you know, compose a song in five minutes, you know. But it will not necessarily be a very original song, you know. Starting a project is, is the hardest part, really, you know, because because it's you have to find those initial ideas and you have to you have to you know somehow conjure them from your subconscious or, or where wherever they come from, you know. And and that that takes time for me at least. It takes days and days and of uh, intense work basically it also takes a certain kind of mindset it, it, it takes a mind mindset where you have to turn off your critical faculties and you have to turn off your you you almost have to reach a receptive state you know i think of it as using a, a certain part of the brain and, and and accessing that part of the brain sometimes it takes time and and um, and sometimes you can't force it i mean sometimes ideas come just like that you know and and they just appear, you know, and they can appear in a conversation. It's also also a skill to spot ideas, you know, to identify them, you know. Yes, this is something. This is something that can be applied to this, you know. And that's something you get better at, I think, over time. And uh, you to 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 identify material which is not necessarily there, but can be developed, you know, into something strong, you know. This is something that works for me, you know. I, I, it's probably very different to to um, how many other composers work, and this is certainly not the only way, you know. And it might be something very, very simple. It might be something, you know. And very often, I, I, I just sit and, you know, improvise for you know hours and hours and hours and feel like I've accomplished nothing, you know. And uh, then I listen back to it uh, maybe a, a couple of weeks later and identify one bar where where there's 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 suddenly something hey this is this is something this can be developed into into something it's also about you know not trusting your initial instincts you know you know sometimes first impressions are not correct and also the other way around you know uh, first impressions can deceive as well it seems like there can be various things that set off this perception of being like this is an idea worth following you mentioned improvising, so it could be like a melodic figure, but then it might also be a piece of literature or something like that. Where, what are the non-musical sources that have sometimes set you off on a project? Everything is is kind of work for me, you know, like reading a book, going to the cinema, you know. I carry notebooks with me that I that I fill in with, with maybe not ideas, but, you know, impressions, you know, and... Um, Sometimes looking looking back through those, you know, will spark through spark something, you know, and that might be an impression I got from a film, you know, uh, from a piece of art or painting or 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 a conversation or or, and that might inspire a mood, you know, a kind of uh, not necessarily musical notes, you know, but a kind of uh, atmosphere, a uh, feeling, really, you know, because I think I think my main goal as a composer is is to communicate you know and one of the things that identifies a good idea is that it makes you feel something you know 
and and that it affects you either emotionally or viscerally in some strong sense. If the idea affects me in that sense, it's uh, not unlikely that it will affect someone else as well. That's kind of the one of the one of the criteria you know I use also and uh, these things can be uh, quite quite intangible and still something that feels very real to me you know and and it's a mood that I want to create but I don't know how you know and then then you then there's the process of fi- finding out how to how to create to create that that mood you know uh, and mood is maybe a wrong word, you know. It, it, it's more like um, feeling, you know, uh, an, uh, an emotion, which is also not a very precise word. You know, my my main goal is to try to affect the listener in some way, you know, emotionally, viscerally, or intellectually, you know, and uh, hopefully all three. <laughs> is there something specific about? strings whether in small scale ensemble or a large scale ensemble what what is it about those instruments triggering you to help you get close to this feeling or intangible sensation that you're looking for i i, I, w- I wouldn't uh, emphasize strings too much they, they were they were a big part of my sound uh, you know on my on my uh, early solo albums and and on some of my scores you know but I'm 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 using them very differently on Arrival, for example, and uh, something like IBM is 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 IBM fourteen oh one a user's manual, which was my third solo album, is a very string string dominated album, and uh, it was certainly written at a time where where I was very interested in that sound, and and I was interested in, or what I was mainly interested in actually is the Clash. So, so what what I, what I was not necessarily interested in is 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 the sound of strings in particular, but the the sound of of strings contrasted with something dramatically different in texture and tone and in in uh, feel and and that particular album album is uh, is a uh, written around uh, music that was made on a on a computer from the from the nineteen sixties and. Uh, uh, recorded on a reel-to-reel uh, tape recorder in 1971, and it's these uh, very lo-fi mechanical recordings of the computer in at work. And also, my father worked for IBM, and he he uh, uh, learned uh, this method of of uh, programming melodies on on this on this uh, early computer, and uh, which was not not one of the features, to put it mildly. This was done by basically using the uh, electromagnetic uh, sort of emissions of the core memory of the, of the computer. These emissions you, you could pick up with a shortwave radio. There were uh, kind of algorithms or, or, or ways of, of uh, programming these emissions, which was basically like a constant tone, to program modulations of pitch in that tone. So, so you could actually create a melody with this kind of hum of the computer's memory. This is this was um, something uh, my father and his colleagues did in their downtime. You know, in, at at uh, at work, he worked worked for IBM. When they took the computer out of commission in 1971, they made a recording of these sounds and uh, both of the melodies and of the the, the computer in 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 action. And um, when he told me about this, you know, I did, it it uh, immediately was one of those moments when an idea is sparked. It was basically fully formed, you know, when he told me about this, you know, I, I just knew what I was going to do with it, you know. 
we went and we you know looked for those real real to real tapes and uh, and I went through them and uh, I ident- identified uh, a part of the recordings that I created a loop out of and uh, this sort of five note loop and then wrote uh, a string orchestra arrangement around it so so the computer this this computer from the 1960s is kind of becomes an instrument kind of like a soloist in in this string orchestra and uh, it's this kind of contrast and this kind of you know clash or commingling of very distinct and very very uh, different sounds and uh, textures that I'm interested in the the coldness and the cold mechanical emotionless but still kind of emotionally resonant sound of the computer because it has all these nostalgic resonances um, and associations and so the contrast of that sound with with the warm and rich emotional sound of the of the, of the string orchestra this contrast was was is really what what was interesting to me and and it also appears on uh, Inglaborn, my first album. Well, there are, there are several examples of, of where I use electronics and and, uh, and strings there together. But I guess the most, the one with the most striking contrast is uh, is a track called Otie Damo, which which uh, is a piece that features a string quartet uh, and a computer pro- program to to sing um, a melody with a text uh, from um, Catullus, an old. Latin poem from 2000 years ago you know these these contrasting and and kind of confounding almost elements that uh, um, that shouldn't really work together you know the challenge for, for me was to make them work work together and make them that's what I, w- I found interesting you know it, it, it was this clash of opposites and how how to make that work and how to make that into something that affects you and affects the listener emotionally is 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 Something that 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 I was very interested in, you know, and I st- I still am, and and um, I'm still um, like on Orfe, I'm using uh, a similar t- similar technique. I was going to ask if you f- feel like you generally need these um, not pre-existing frameworks, but an idea which at least provides some sort of parameters or something. For me, it, it's a way of providing a framework. Yeah, certainly, it's, it's but you know that's. I think I think every art artist does that, you know. I, I don't think you can put just tracks randomly together on a, on a, on, a, on an album, and um, there has to be there for me for me there has to be a, a kind of a thread, almost a narrative, you know. And um, certainly Portlandia, there's kind of almost almost approaches a narrative, you know. It's, it's a very oblique one, but 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 it it, it can be. Regarded as one, and, and Orfe is 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 not not really a narrative, but it, but it but it but it it uses that myth and uh, a myth that, that has has been used many many times and is very familiar and uh, uses certain um, elements from certain inter- interpretations of that myth to create a context and to create a, a kind of in a way that that idea sort of uh, the, the the idea of uh, associating it with Orfe came through the process of writing that album because it, it was a it was it was a very long process and uh, a lot of the main ideas on that album are from written in 2009 so it was like a six six year process of, of kind of slowly working on on the album bit by bit you know um, recording a string quartet one year you know some pipe organ the next year ba- basically between it, it happened at a time when 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 um, Things were getting to just more 
busy for me in in, in the the film music world and uh, and uh, I had also other projects like the Miners Hymns came along and and that was a project that took a lot of time so it was material that was always always for me belonged together you know as a thing and in a way it it, it sort of became like a like a diary as well you know because you know when you when you work on something over over that period of time it, it I, th- I think it reflects the changes that you go through and the you know the changes in your life the changes in your circumstances and uh, the orphan myth is, is is basically about thresholds you know it's about borders and thresholds and uh, crossing borders crossing thresholds and about transgression in a way and the role of uh, those things in the artistic process or the cre- the process of creation and uh, i mean it, it's it's a myth about many things and it can it can be interpreted in many ways but 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 for me for, for me this it, this is what it's um, what, how it resonates it comes back in a way to to this very difficult process of starting a project you know because you have to cross the threshold and you have to you, you know go deep you know you have to go deep and uh, and you have to bring something back from that place and hopefully it is a thing of beauty you know mm-hmm. i certainly don't sort of personify myself with uh, the character in in the myth but for me it reflects a certain aspect of the creative process mm-hmm. there are so many other things so many other resonances that i found uh, interesting and that i found that could be made to fit in a very interesting way into this project for example i rewatched um, you know it's a film film i i, I watch regu- regularly uh, which is jean cocteau's orfei and uh, there are scenes in that film where um, jean marais uh, playing the titular character of orfei is in his car listening to uh, radio broadcasts shortwave radio broadcasts of very cryptic strange and monotone recitations of words letters seemingly meaningless you know almost random sounding like some kind of strange abstract poetry and uh, this idea was inspired by the t- transmissions of the BBC uh, during the war uh, where they sent they transmitted codes by sh- shortwave radio over to uh, agents and to uh, the re- resistance members in occupied Europe and this method of communicating when Europe was then divided into two halves by the iron curtain and this became um, a method a very oft used method of communicating um, these broadcasts of the BBC were precursors of the so-called number stations which which uh, a lot of people might be uh, or some people might be uh, familiar with which are broadcasts that were very prevalent during the cold war they're usually broadcasts of, of voices very often female voices reciting numbers letters these sort of long series of numbers and letters in a, in a very monotone mechanical voice and uh, in many languages in, in english and in german and in russian chinese it's assumed that th- this is uh, you know originates from uh, various intelligence agencies and that they are codes meant for for agents on the other side of the of the of the um, then divided europe and i i felt that this this was somehow connected in Cocteau's film, you know, there are like messages, you know, from the underworld, you know, these, these codes, cryptic um, recitations of numbers and letters, um, again, meant to be uh, communications across a threshold, a border, you know, which doesn't exist anymore.
I was going to ask about whether there's any other particular sound sources which might not come from like a, an instrument which has triggered this sort of associative resonance with you in recent years. Incorporating sounds that have their own set of references, you know, it's, it's a very strong element, you know, and if you take those voices away from, you know, if, if you mute those vo- voices, it the piece becomes very, very different. And it's almost like writing a vocal line and, and melodies, you know, partly because it's a human element. And we, of course, react strongly to, to human elements rather than, you know, a synthesizer line or something, you know. It's one one of the sources I use, you know, um, and one of the sources I, I'm, 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 I'm very interested in. And uh, at what point was the opportunity presented to you to start writing music for specific non-musical contexts, you know, other other mediums and things like this? The trajectory was kind of through theatre, really, because I spent a lot of time in Iceland and later more internationally, uh, you know, writing music for theatre, and I, I still do occasionally, and uh, and contemporary dance as well. I was, I was involved with... Um, a choreographer, um, we created together pieces that, that traveled quite extensively. And uh, and my, my first album, uh, Englaborn, is based on, on music that's written for the theater. It, it was uh, re-recorded and it was, it was re- rearranged and, and made into its own thing. It has these origins as a theater score. And uh, my next album, Vrilo uh, Forsetar, was a much more conceptual piece. It's an hour-long piece for uh, 12-piece brass ensemble and um, drone instruments, percussion, and uh, then IBM 1401, which is again a conceptual piece, but more melodic, more more sort of accessible in a way. I, I just slowly started to get inquiries from, from filmmakers, you know, and, uh, you know, who either wanted to license a piece from one of these records or, or they wanted to uh, collaborate with me and... Um, so yeah, I I started by you know uh, I did a couple of films in Iceland and I I moved to Denmark to Copenhagen where they have a great film scene. Of course they have their their giants like like well Lars von Trier, but there's there's also a thriving documentary uh, scene. You know they they make some of the most you know interesting work in, in documentary in the, in the in the world today I think. And uh, there I I started to work more in film and originally mostly. On documentaries. Did it immediately call for a different way of working or was the overlap between what you were doing anyway and the music that ended up coming for picture, were they quite close together or did the new medium demand a different type of work? There's no real difference between the actual process of writing music is the same, you know, whether you're making a film score or you're, you're doing your own, own thing, you know. The, the the process is, is 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 always the same rather i sh- i should say the um the challenges are always the same but the circumstances the 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 physical and practical circumstances are 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 very different you know because uh with a film you already have a framework you already have and a film a film is a collaborative art form and uh, as is theater as well and uh, so you're working with your you know you're part of a team that's creating uh this this work you know and um so you're not the only only voice in the in the uh, in the in the process and 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 uh because people approach me you know through through my solo work you know it's i've been able to kind of develop my sound 
through these two different kind of uh, trajectories in a way, you know, concurrently, you know, and then there's a lot of symbiosis, a lot of, uh, they, they kind of feed on each other in a way, you know, like uh, methods that I developed for a film, for example, they could very well be used on a, on a solo album as well and vice versa, you know, some, some, like some of the ideas in Arrival, not the actual musical ideas, but the methods were originally developed on, on a solo project of mine. And uh, there's a, you know, constant dialogue and and for me it's it's all part of the same body of work and even haven't made a, a a real solo album in in like six years you know and and so i felt it it needed kind of emphasis you know it, i needed to in a way re- remind people that this is uh this is something i do and that that this is something that i want to do you know and uh, you know that i'm i'm a composer first and foremost and and film composing is is one part of what I do, and there are you know many projects in the pipeline that that you know will f- further expand expand that you know and and so I I don't I don't want to limit myself to you know one path, and uh, I think I've been extremely lucky in 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 uh, in terms of you know finding finding you know very good collaborators in in the film world that have that have uh, kind of allowed me to experiment and to develop artistically you know and do you think that's unusual do you think that you know most people writing for picture tend to have fairly narrow constraints imposed on them most of the time unfortunately i think yes and uh, and a lot of a lot of that is is due to the to the use of temp music and to, to the nature of, fil- of of filmmaking and due to the fact that music is too often thought of as something that can be done very quickly as the last kind of phase of of the filmmaking process of the you know tele- television process i think uh, that shows and i think that uh, this is why you know a, a lot of film music sounds the same you know and uh, because the film is cut to temp music and uh, you know people get used to that music you know the the director the producers the, you know the, you know and then when the composer comes and and brings his ideas to to the table it's too late you know <laughs> And the way that Denis and I work, which is to um, not use temp music, and we've managed to avoid that for the most part. We haven't been 100% successful in, in that, but 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 that that is is the goal. So so he edits without music, and uh, so there's no music put on the film until until I send him some send him something, and then there's a dialogue, obviously, and uh, you know because it is. Filmmaking is a dialogue. Filmmaking is a is a coll- collaboration, and and uh, to co- compose for film, you have to be be able to collaborate. And I have been very lucky in 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 having very very talented collaborators who are who are, who have, who kind of share certain sensibilities of mine. You know, so so you know there are very rarely you know any any clashes you know or any kind of differences. So that of course there are you know difficult moments you know and there, there are scenes that take longer you know to to score than others and it's a long process and uh, and that's why you know i i give myself time you know and that's why i don't for example do m- more films per year you know i mean i i i get a lot lot of offers for uh, scoring films and and uh, a lot of very tempting offers from from very talented and high-profile directors and and some very very interesting projects that I have to say no to because my process would be 
impossible to apply to the kind of schedule that many filmmakers kind of put in front of the, the composer. This is something that uh, pe people are starting to think more about now, you know, and, 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 and I hope that, you know, the attention that our process, you know, has been, and uh, and the attention that the music, you know, I've, I've written for, for Arrival and, and, and Sicario and Prisoners. I, I hope that that will, you know, kind of raise people's consciousness, you know, in the film world, you know, of the importance of music and the importance of giving time to to the to the creation of music because it is very easy to to write a, a score for a film in three days you could conceivably do it in in, in one day you know with the with the with the tools available to, to you to you it would be you know completely off the shelf and generic uh, because of, of the way you know music technology has evolved and and it's easy to do things quickly and to and to to make this process of of uh, scoring a fast one but good things are never easy to create quickly i think i mean they they can be created quickly if you're lucky and if if the inspiration stri strikes you know there are certainly scores that for example chinatown you know um, by jerry goldsmith was written in 3 weeks or, or something like that 2 weeks for me personally i th i think i think music should uh, and the composer should should be a part of the team from the beginning. But this also requires the director to to have a very clear vision for what he what he or she wants, and the producers as well. And uh, and this is very hard in in filmmaking. It's it's very hard to to you know there there are not many directors that have both the the uh, the vision and also the 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 clout to to be able to sort of. Uh, accomplish the, this vision and uh, so because I, I read that um an early excerpt of the arrival score was played on set during shooting certainly not the first example i mean there there's uh, there are directors that that that, that work, work that way and i guess the most famous example is uh, sergio leone and and there ennio morricone during um you think it was uh once upon once upon a time in the west i think um or or or, or even some of the other spaghetti westerns where where the score was written before filming and uh, and the complete score and uh, Leone you know played the music while the actual scene was was being shot and because in Italian film and, and at that at that time you know all other sound was was done in post you know including dialogue like there's no location dialogue in in any of any of those films and I'm certainly not comparing myself to Ennio Morricone. I want to make that absolutely clear. I mean, this is a, this is a beautiful process, you know. And uh, yeah, what 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 we what we did on arrival, you know, uh, having a crucial piece of of score, quite a number of pieces composed during the shooting and influencing both the director and you know the cinematographer and. Uh, for example, the 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 shot where the the main characters um, sort of slowly approach the this uh, valley uh, where the where, where the where they first discover uh, or have the first glimpse of the of the spacecraft, you know, Denny was was listening and uh, and Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, they were listening to that music while they were filming. Because is it normally the other way around that you the film composer would be watching the the shots on the screen and timing. Their composition to yeah. This is a testament to Denny's 
qualities as a director, you know, because he know he knew that this would be a very central and very important scene, you know, and and it needed a very distinct piece of music to 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 accentuate it, you know. And this piece I wrote happened to fit that. <laughs> Uh, I had no idea he was going to use it in the, in that scene. You know, I mean, it, it, I only had the script. You know, and, and in the you, you can only imagine so much from a script. You know, and uh, the feel of the music and the uh, the rhythm of it and the, the the tempo of it. You know, had an influence and and uh, on on the way it was shot. And and I think filmmakers do that often. You know, I mean, I mean, Tarantino plays music on set all the time. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, a lot, lot of directors play play music. You know, Lars von Trier played Wagner. You know, on, on the on the set of his first film. You know, and you know this is certainly not not uncommon. But you know, for a composer, this is this is a really ideal situation in a way, and and a, and a very and and a, and, a, and a way of working that is very conducive to creating work that is that is uh, has character and individuality and and a certain boldness you know and you know because you allow yourself to just go to any extreme that you that you feel is necessary you know of course within the bounds of the script you know you know you you have to you have to have a certain sense for what the film might turn out to be you know knowing Denny's style and knowing his uh, sense of rhythm his, his the, the way he paces his films you know helps me a lot in that when I'm writing so far ahead of of seeing any actual images you know so I have an idea of the pace you know and an idea of the of the mood and when we have very similar tastes and we have have very similar kind of you know sensibilities in that sense and uh, so it suits what I do very well and I think that's a part of why why it works you know what cues are you generally looking for when you've been given something like a, a script or, or a brief by a director? You know, what are you using to direct where you take a composition when you've got no picture? It really depends. And um, we're with Denny, we, we, for Arrival, certainly, we, we didn't speak very much before um, filming. We talked about the story, you know, and, and actually... We talked about it a long time ago because arrival. We talked about arrival, you know, already after prisoners. I knew, the, I knew, I knew the themes, and we we discussed the themes, you know, and the the importance of language, the importance of communication, the importance of uh, you know these these main kind of um, and 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 the the emotional aspect of it also the the, the this very personal kind of uh, story of the relationship between the mother and daughter, and so we we discussed those things, but. We, we don't really talk about musical, concrete musical uh, aspects. I mean, that happens later during the editing process. Then, then you know, we, we, we can sort of pinpoint things more and, and, and uh, you know, you know Denny, Denny will, will point at, a, at, a, at an aspect of a certain cue and say, you know, you know, you know can, you, can you emphasize this? You know, can you, can you bring in more of this? Can you... And uh, and Joe Walker also is uh, the editor is is very is is very musical and he is he has a very good sense for for um, for music so so it's it's a, it's a very it's it's a great team it's it's a, it's a great um, collaboration. How about with a film which has a pre-existing legendary soundtrack like Blade Runner? <laughs> what was your reaction to being given uh, that sort of brief? Because you know 
the legacy of that soundtrack's not to be um, sniffed at. No, 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 absolutely not. And it's a, it's a, it's it's a film that for a lot of people, you know, uh, has a tremendous important importance for for a lot of film film fans and a lot of uh, you know uh, science science fiction film fans and but but a lot of cinephiles in general because it's it's a masterpiece or or. Or rather, it sort of became a masterpiece <laughs> through this process that Ridley Scott went of uh, slowly improving it over time and making making his sort of own director's cuts, you know. And I, I'm old enough to have seen it in its original form in the cinema, you know, uh, when it was released. And uh, I it had, it had uh, certainly a big impression on me. And it's, it's a very important f- film for me and, and has uh, has been a you know point of reference for me forever, you know. In, in terms of visuals, in terms of mood and atmosphere, and and Vangelis is, is a composer I'd, I admire tremendously, and and uh, and I've uh, you know listened to his records for a, a long time, you know since since I was very young. I think everyone is aware of the legacy of that of that of that film, and and I'm certainly very aware of the legacy of, of of that score and it is a challenge and it is a you know almost, you almost feel like it's a responsibility <laughs> you know it's, you almost feel like you're you've you're, you're been given like a a task that that must not be you know <laughs> I I like challenges I I, I relish in challenges and I I uh, I don't like to repeat myself I I don't like to do something that comes easy easily to me you know this is not going to be easy and uh, obviously I can't say very much about what's what's happening and but we, but we have started writing and we are in this process of finding a sound and um, I can't say say really say anymore and except that this is not a not a remake this is a sequel and this is the world of Blade Runner and uh, the world of Blade Runner is a very big world it's a world that I think you can explore for a long time the the challenge is to create something that exists in the in the world of Blade Runner, but also has its own character and its own identity. Yeah, it's 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 the world of Blade Runner, but it, but it's 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 Blade Runner thirty years later, so, and a lot can happen in thirty years. Are you also creating your own ambient beds and sound effects and stuff like that in your work, or is it purely just the the music? I mean, music and sound uh, are too often separated as 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 being completely distinct things you know and and they are not you know they are they are part of the same and and especially in toward in in today's filmmaking you know and uh, and people sometimes talk, talk disparagingly about like sound design scores you know scores that are that are not melodic and and are are based on you know sound design and 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 and, and I, I think I think that's a very narrow view of what 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 film music film music can be for me you know writing the 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 instrumental parts is 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 only a fraction of of the, of the whole process and uh, creating sounds creating uh, sounds that have an impact and and that 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 are that are new. Especially on a film like uh, film like Arrival, gives you the op- opportunity to do that. You know, you can't maybe do that so much on on a film that's set in Berlin in, in the nineteen thirties. You know, <laughs> certainly a film you know that that has this other otherworldly you know uh, element and this element of the uncanny and and uh, the the strange. You know, certainly offers more opportunities for that. And 
all of my career, I've always been very interested in sound design and and in, in creating sounds and in creating uh, processing sounds and finding new ways of, of of doing that. And and I've I've mostly done that with acoustic recordings, original recordings. So what what I usually do bring in like um, an, an instrumentalist, a, a player, um, and uh, record some ideas. You know, uh, maybe some melodic ideas, maybe pure you know sound we produce maybe you know hours and hours of sound and and then it's edited down and and i identify something that that has certain harmonics or certain certain sort of sonic qualities that can spark something you know and then i, I process that and through the years i've i've you know i have a certain sense of what 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 can work and what and where a certain sound can 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 take me you know and and uh, but there's always a lot of serendipity as well. There's always a lot of you know happy accidents, and 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 that's what you what you have to be goes goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know you have to be open. You know you have you have to be you have to be able to spot those tiny things that m- maybe spark something much greater, 